Welcome to episode 29 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'll be joined tonight by J. Oh, no. I'll be joined tonight by Scott. Oh, no. Management got rid of himself, and Jason Lewandowski is unavailable. So it's just myself and producer Dan Humphrey tonight. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people, making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes, about being a great teammate and part of the community. That's why our premier tier two hockey league welcomes youth players ages five to 18 years old to join our nationally lauded program. With reasonable fees, transparency and athlete development that has prepped players for teams at all levels. We're here to coach our players for success, both on and off the ice. Well, Danny, last week uh, I was absent. Uh, I do apologize, but uh, I, I had a great opportunity to listen to the podcast and listen to um, Chris Lillestrong from the News Herald, uh, veteran, veteran high school sports writer. Uh, Chris has covered high school hockey, among many other sports. Uh, he does it on the east side of Cleveland here. He's been doing it since 1999. He has seen so much, and there's probably not a sports writer out there with a better sense of context and history when you talk about high school hockey. He, uh, he was an encyclopedia. Uh, 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 his memory was an encyclopedia of players and coaches throughout the years. And it was great to hear Chris share some of his stories uh, and especially talk about passionately about the game of hockey uh, that he loves. Uh, so we look forward to high school, getting, high school hockey getting back here in Cleveland so that we can read what Chris has to write. It was a great listen. Um, uh, again, I wish I could have been on the podcast. I wish I could have talked to Chris, uh, but you know, all the questions were, were, were spot on and, and he did an awesome job being transparent about uh, a lot of things. And I really appreciate him being transparent about the all dec- decade team. He's like, I know it was us heavy, but he gave, he, he stuck strong to why he did what he did. Yeah. Um, you know, it was nice to more or less put a, a name and a personality or, you know, face and personality with the name. Um, and then, you know, the one thing I enjoyed you know, the best by last week that I uh, apologize to the listeners because they didn't get to enjoy it, but we stayed on with Chris for probably another hour and a half after the recorded interview part, just him telling stories and different things he's seen inside locker rooms. And why does fun stuff always happen when I'm not around? I don't know. Ask uncle love. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that would have been cool. And, and, and maybe one day Chris will come on the air. And I'd love to hear some of those stories, have him share some of those uh, uh, personal intimate stories that he's had over the years. You know, he talked about a couple of uh, writers, Tim Warzynski and, and, and others, and I just, I just named him as one uh, that is that have done yeoman's work uh, to, to support high school athletics here in uh, this, the Cleveland area and surrounding suburbs. So we, we cannot thank uh, Chris and those men and women that cover high school sports uh, to make sure that it's being seen and heard uh, daily. So that, that was, you know, that was a really good uh, listen. Hopefully our listeners enjoyed it too. Uh, Chris, you can always find him uh, in the corner of the rink at Mentor. Uh, we've seen him out there a hundred times. We've had to play out there. So uh, it was, it was a good listen. And uh, uh, it was, I'm glad that he was able to come on. Um, well, this, this week uh, we're down a man again, and this seems to be a common theme. And, and, and truth be told, this is probably should be uh, verbalized to our, our listeners. And, and I, I want to personally thank uh, the listeners because our, our listening base is growing and uh, it, it has everything to do with, with the people that we bring on the show that are talking about the great game of hockey and how everyone's trying to get it better and bigger. So again, we're down a guy, we're down well, actually two guys uh, with uh, that Scott Harrington management has been uh, filling in. So, but this is the time of the year though, that everything starts to get hectic with all of our lives, as you know, Dan. And, and so our listeners out there, I think maybe you'll have, Maybe one day we'll get the three of us back together. And honestly, if we do, we might not even have a guest. We might just shoot the, you know, uh, for an hour and a half. So, um, so what's been new with you, Danny? Uh, not too much. We 
high school season's officially underway. Um, it was nice to see some games out there, you know, coaching our own respective games, but then scrolling through Twitter and just seeing, you know, it seems like all uh, teams across the state are fired up to be back out there and get going. And hopefully we, uh, we stay with it. Um, I mean, we could uh, go on a tirade about politics this week, but no. that's not re- that's not really our uh, no clientele. But no, and that's not our platform. But you know, it's it's almost and again, I'm not gonna go in that wormhole there. But it's almost, I don't know. I don't even know. I don't. I have no words for it right now. Uh, and I don't. And listen, I don't care what side of the aisle you sit on. It, it's 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 such a uh, travesty of a democracy right now. Um, you know, listen, a candidate won. I don't care if he was your candidate or not. A candidate won. He secured more electoral votes than the other candidate. Well, what, now we have fraud. Now we have all this other stuff. It, listen, this stuff, corruption has been going on since Roman times, dude. So all of a sudden now we're going to, uh, yeah. So, I mean, why wasn't corruption being talked about in 1960s? Yeah. Right. You know what I think? I think why can't we take the positive out of this? What was the positive of this whole election? To, to me, the positive was we had over half of our country exercise their demo- democratic right and vote. That, that has not happened since I think. Well, I think the second largest was 1960 or 64 or something like that. That has not happened. So, OK, let's celebrate that. Our country was based off of democracy where people were able to vote and people were able to choose their leaders. We have not only a third of people have done that for many years. We now celebrate the fact that half of our country exercised their right. That's just my two cents, whatever it is. That's that's me that that taught social studies. I, I felt like I was just back in your history class right there. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I don't know. There's probably a bunch of other shenanigans going on there. Yeah, but how how easy would it be, right? Not easy is not the right word, but you don't even have to do any lesson planning if you're teaching history right now, especially American history. Yeah, but but you know what though, Danny, I I, I kind of disagree because you know you have to be so careful in 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 how we teach our our youth when it comes to government, right? Because it's such a sensitive topic, right? It's such a sensitive topic, and and um. You know, I'll give I'll give you an example, and this is this is a true story. It was, I believe, it was maybe 2012. 2012. I'm teaching government, and uh, the Democratic National Convention was a month before the Republican National Convention, right? And or maybe it wasn't even the con. I don't even know what it was. It was a convention or something. And I had my, I had my government class. We will, the, the uh, democratic one was before the Republican one. So we watched that first. I can't watch the Republican one first if it doesn't happen. Right. So we watched the democratic one first because it, it happened. And, and I had, uh, you know, I had some parents complain that I was pushing democratic beliefs on my students because I showed them the rally or, or the speech first instead of the Republican one. Well, the Republican one, hasn't even happened. How the hell am I going to show it to him? So it's just so sensitive that I think the, the I think what we do is how to teach, how to teach our young uh, men and women is not kind of more or less. How do you form an opinion? Whatever that opinion is, right? Gather all the information, mm-hmm. whatever that information is. And then you can make uh, a good opinion on whatever side you want to stand on or lean towards. And that's fine. You know, so I don't know. I don't know if I'd want to teach it right now, you know, but I'm sure I'm sure our teachers out there that are teaching government and history and are doing a hell of a job. Um, I know they are. And uh, I, I, I don't I wouldn't want to be in their shoes because it's so sensitive right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, what else is going on? Well, I was just going to say I, I just received a text message. So we have some breaking news. Uh, management will be joining us. So he will be hopping on here in a couple minutes, but no, I think you ought to do. He's late. You know what? Don't let him on, Dan. <laughs> no, he, he, if he gets on us for not being prepared and being on time, but it's okay for him just to stroll into the room late. There he is. No, no, no. Let him sit there for a minute. 
All right, you know what? Let's put him on, and we'll, we'll greet him the right way. To our listeners, here we are. We're, we have uh, management joining us, and he obviously he's joining us late tonight, which is okay because that's what he's allowed to do. We're not allowed to be unprepared. We're not allowed to be late, right? I got off the ice 10 minutes early. I did 97 miles an hour on my way home to make sure I could get her on time. But, ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. Scott Harrington. I'm just sitting here waiting for the link. I thought you guys, maybe you didn't need me. I thought I got cut. I got bumped. No, no, no. So now I got to go back and do the whole intro again, which I'm not going to, but uh, well, welcome, <laughs> Scott. This is going to be on? You know, actually, What I miss? Well, I, I want to jump back a little bit and say, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have the chance to talk to Chris uh, on, on the uh, podcast last week, but listen to it. And what, what a great, you had an opportunity to sit and talk with them. Can you just give us your uh, take on that? He just off the top of his head, just knows so much about, and he doesn't just cover hockey, but obviously that's what we talked to him about. But going back, what is it, 21 years or whatever, uh, he's just got all this information off the top of his head. We, we asked him about the previews, you know, that we could look forward to uh, for this season coming up. And he's talking about how he's in soccer mode and hasn't really started talking about hockey or whatever. And then he just rattled off like five minutes worth of stuff off the top of his head. So uh, there's probably not anybody better for uh, high school hockey. Uh, in the area than Chris. He's he's forgotten a lot more than probably most of us remember. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, hopefully you guys had a good week. Uh, you know, it's been, I just, I, I was kind of laughed on Friday. Uh, we had our first high school scrimmage and um, we are at the school that I'm working at. Um, and I'm sure everybody knows that it's St. Edward's High School. Um, we have been in dress down mode because we hit our, our goal for um, our fundraising. So we've been in dress down mode and it was 75 degrees. And of course, wouldn't this be typical for 2020 is I'm dressing to go to work for my first ice hockey game that night in shorts and a golf shirt. Yeah. <laughs> my wife was nice. like, are you, are you going to work? I'm like, yep, I'm wearing shorts today and I have an ice hockey game tonight. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. And winter's coming. It's coming fast, but we have like a two day reprieve here. So it's nice. Got to go do some outside stuff over the weekend. And have you have uh, you started hiking with the the milk jugs or the rocks in your backpack yet? <laughs> no, not yet. Still just uh, trying to shed a few pounds, and we're going to start packing on the muscle. Yeah, you know how that goes. Yeah, no. So, well, I don't know how that um, goes, but okay, I trust you. <laughs> no. no, I'm still in. Uh, I'm packing on the wings. You know, yeah, the the, the the mac and cheese, the wings. Yeah, that's what I'm packing on. Nice, <laughs> nice. So. Well, it was good talking, everybody. Hope everybody uh, continues to have a good week. Weather's staying warm. Uh, Let's see what's in the news. The Ohio Hockey Digest. The Ohio Hockey Digest is looking for writers to contribute content for the 2020-2021 season. Specifically, we need somebody to cover high school hockey in the Columbus area. This is a great opportunity for a student looking for experience as a sports writer. If that's you, or just like writing about hockey, contact Scott at ohiohockeydigest.com. The Centerville Elks of the Southwest Ohio High School Hockey League announced that they will not be icing a team this season, citing the COVID-19 pandemic and low roster numbers. Head coach Tim Evans says the Elks plan to return to the ice in 2021 and 22. Um, We were down to um, 10 or well, down to 11, excuse me, plus a goalie, because three of those kids that uh, had committed, uh, their parents said absolutely no. And then uh, the fear of somebody getting injured uh, left us with uh, um, less than the, than the number that I thought was uh, safe. And uh, so, yes, it was a combination of lack of numbers, going from a potential of having 19 down to 12 and recruiting two other ones and then come out coming up with uh, nine skaters and a goalie uh, was um, unacceptable for everybody. Uh, with Centerville taking a year off and Talawanda going independent, the SWOHSHL is down to six varsity teams for the upcoming season. A year ago, St. Xavier left for the Capital Hockey Conference and LaSalle has not been competing at the varsity level. I just want to say that it, it when I read this the other day, I just you know, it's almost like another one goes down, another one goes down. And, and I get it. I understand. 
right? You know, I, I, I really get it. I, I talked to a coach today who, um, and I, I'm not going to uh, say who I talked to, but I talked to a coach today who said they're down almost 12 players in their organization because of uh, a few injuries, but because of uh, COVID and, and the families just want to keep uh, their, their uh, child safe. So um, it's just, it, the, the hits will keep coming. Um, and I just hope that we can kind of, you know, brace for it and just move forward. Yeah, it's unfortunate. They, they've got a great, uh, a great following down there in Centerville. They've got uh, all their games. They've got the games online. There's always a strong social media presence. They uh, they do a lot to promote the team, and um, they will not be playing this year. That's kind of a. I was noticing uh, just looking on Twitter, a bunch of uh, college programs also looks like they're taking the year off as well. So uh, hopefully, we don't hear too too many more of those types of announcements over the next few weeks. The Wooster Oilers, Columbus Mavericks, and Toledo Cherokee were all represented on the United States Premier Hockey League's Great Lakes Division Players of the Month. Sebastian Smith of the Wooster Oilers has accumulated a division-leading 12 assists and is scoring 1.82 points per game. Smith has been driving play for the Oilers, creating 41 scoring chances this year, 20 more than his closest teammate. 20-year-old forward Derek Richardson, a Pickering native, is a second-year member of the Columbus Mavericks, and he racked up 12 points in a five-game stretch. Bailey Bird, a 19-year-old in his third year with the Cherokee, produced 24 points in 14 games and now holds a career mark of 1.2 points per game. Bird was drafted by the Jersey Hitman of the NCDC this past June. Also from Toledo, defenseman David Crandall tied Bird with plus 17 to lead the Cherokee and dished out a team leading 23 hits and 93 takeaways. Crandall was also selected by the Hitmen in the June NCDC draft. The Wheeling Nailers brought back a blast from the past, signing 2013-2014. Team scoring leader Cody Sylvester, who has played the last five years in Germany. Sylvester, 28, led the Nailers with 24 goals seven years ago, following a successful junior career with the Calgary Hitmen of the Western Hockey League. Sylvester said, I love playing and wheeling, and I'm looking forward to coming back. Could you, like, do you think he's coming back? And Scott, you may know this. I don't know this because uh, I tried to look into it, but is he coming back because of COVID reasons or is he just done playing overseas? Oh, that's a good question. I didn't see anything else uh, other than that. But you do have, that's a good point. There are a lot of NHL teams right now sending prospects over to play in Europe uh, because they're not going to be playing here in the American League until February. So it's getting crowded over there. <laughs> After right. NHL camps open up, guys are going to start filtering back. Um, but you're right. There's probably, there's a, you know, a filtering down effect there, a trickle down effect. And there's probably a lot of North American guys who thought they had spots over there that are looking for a place to play right now. Sure, sure. Youngstown Phantoms announced a player advancement as forward Connor McGrath committed to the Air Force Academy. McGrath, 19, is getting ready for his first season in the United States Hockey League after scoring 13 goals in 26 games, playing Tier 2 Junior with the Chippewa Steel of the North American Hockey League a year ago. I had a chance to catch up with Connor and ask him about his decision. Connor, if you could tell us just... Um that decision-making process for you of deciding on a, on a college air force Academy, obviously is a bit of a different commitment as opposed to some of the other hockey schools. Um, what led you to be interested in, in going to the air force Academy? Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Um, basically my rundown on the situation was that I believe air force had the best package deal to offer me. Everything was guaranteed a full ride. And for my future endeavors, I plan to be an aviator. So the Air Force was right up my alley. And I was very thankful for when they reached out. So uh, you played Tier 2 Junior last year. Um, so you'll have uh, one season, I believe, with the Phantoms before you move on. So what are you looking to accomplish this year on the ice uh, playing with the Youngstown Phantoms? Right now, I'm looking to develop in every aspect of my game because as compared to juniors in Tier 2 and the Null, it's just a little bit quicker and everything seems to be moving at a higher speed and higher tempo. So 
as of right now, I'm just working on my reflexes, my head on a swivel, and everything I can do to ensure that I have the best season that I'm able to. And it's been kind of a, an odd start to the season with 10 games on the road uh, on the schedule. I know a few games were kind of uh, were canceled the first weekend, but uh, how has that experience been so far since you've been in Youngstown for camp? And uh, you guys must be looking forward to getting a home game eventually. Yeah, no kidding. Actually, as of tonight, we're heading on the road around 11.30 p.m. at Green Bay. So it's been quite a lot of traveling so far, and you said it, you nailed it right on the head. We're looking forward to our home opener, and all these other games are just getting us ready and motivated for it. The USHL opened their 2020-21 season over the weekend, but had a number of individual games canceled, including two games involving the Youngstown Phantoms in Chicago. In all, at least eight games were postponed in the first week of the season due to the COVID concerns. The Phantoms did get one game in, playing the Fighting Saints of Dubuque Saturday night. The second goal of the game for Western Michigan recruit Cole Birch came with 224 remaining and held up as the game winner in a 5-3 Phantoms win. Youngstown was scheduled to play their first 10 games of the season on the road before playing their home opener at the Cavelli Center on December 4th. We got to try to get to one of those games, and if they score, do they like shoot off the fireworks like... Like Roman candles go flying off. I was. They've got all kinds of game presentation going over there at the Cavelli Center. They're, I think, limited to 300 fans though for the first part of the season, unfortunately. But as management, don't you get like an in all the time? Can't you get us in? Well, if not just management, the talent on the uh, Ohio Hockey <laughs> Digest on-air podcast, I'm sure, could secure a media credential. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Okay, I'll take you up on that. Road trip. Road trip. Uh, The Women's Western Collegiate Hockey Association has announced the first half of its 2021 schedule. Ohio State will open the season at Minnesota, November 21 and 22, before returning home for a series versus Wisconsin, November 27 and 28, and Minnesota, December 11th and 12th. The Buckeyes will close out the 2020 calendar year with a series at Wisconsin, December 18 and 19. WCHA schools will play eight league games from November 20th to December 19th before breaking for the holidays. League play will resume as early as January 1st. The remainder of the WCHL league schedule, along with the format for the 2021 final faceoff, will be released at a later date. The Ohio State women's team won the WCHA tournament, was ranked number four in the country, and was on their way to the NCAA tournament when last season was cut short due to the COVID pandemic. This is just a personal thing. And I don't know. I mean, why don't they call it the frozen four? Like, why do they call it the final face-off? That's the league. uh, I think that's what they call the league tournament. Oh, the league tournament. Okay. All right. Yeah. And frozen. I don't know if they call the women's tournament the frozen four. They probably do. No, I would hope. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, hey, listen, this week's going to be fun. Uh, we're going to get a guest that we're going to welcome back again. Uh, this week, we're going to check in with Patrick Metzger of Team Ohio. We interviewed Patrick about a month ago. He's the owner as well as the U18 coach. And we went into the history of Team Ohio and his vision for it. Uh, and we talked to him about what is your vision for Team Ohio today compared to what it was when it was started back in the early 90s. Uh, we'll also talk about his U18 and U16 teams, both winning states uh, and securing spots in the national tournament. Uh, we wanted to, to have Patrick back on, uh, but also we wanted to bring on U16 coach too. Uh, Matt Guy will join us to recap the pre-portion of the pre-post schedule. Please welcome back to On Air, Patrick Metzger, head coach of the U18 Team Ohio program and the U16 head coach, Matthew Guy. Welcome, gentlemen, to On Air. Great to be back, Timmy. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, coach. No problem. Well, Pat, first of all, both Pat and Matt, congratulations uh, to both you guys on both your respectable teams uh, winning states and make it to the national tournament. That's a a great feat. And uh, congratulations to both of you. Yeah, thanks, Tim. It's uh, it was a one heck of a, you know, pre portion of our season, you know, just uh, from the start of trying to get the season in um, for our pre side of it and to, you know, finish up last week or a week ago or whatever it was now 
um, and getting, you know, Matt's team in Sylvania for four games or whatever, winning their, you know, state tournament um, on that Sunday. And then us having to delay it a week and get it done the following week. It was, it was just great. So it was good for the boys. And hopefully everything works out where we can, you know, start preparing and get ready for nationals in March and April. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Matt, what was your experience like going through that whole state tournament? Yeah, you know, it was uh, it was a pretty crazy state tournament for us. I mean, just, you know, every game, you know, when you get to the state, it's kind of, you know, everybody has a fair chance, and we found that out real quick. You know, every game we found ourselves down, um, you know, a goal or two to start the game. Just kind of battled back. I'm, you know, I'm really glad that it was all able to come together. You know, we heard a lot leading up to it that, you know, maybe they'll cancel it, uh, you know, just a lot of uncertainty around it. And I know we were just glad to be there. And, uh, you know, it worked out pretty well for us, so. Good. So, so that's like the end of the story here for this, you know, this pre part of it. Let's go back, you know, for our listeners that might not be familiar with, with team Ohio, or, you know, I know Patrick, you were on earlier and you talked to us about it, but quickly tell us about how, uh, what team Ohio is uh, overall. And and then specifically how the U16 and U18 teams uh, pre post teams uh, are put together. The pre post part of our program is is like my baby it's the most important uh it's the foundation of our program our midget program we 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 you know has been around since 1995 right so we we've continued to do what our founders russ dice and bill beard and was to you know have you know the, the top northeast ohio players um playing in our program um and you know that re- this was a weird year for this year because recruiting wasn't like it usually was usually we're, you know, having a tryout in April and we're, you know, getting kids together. We watch them all high school season. Uh, we go to, you know, most of the high school games, Matt or myself or somebody from our staff is, you know, trying to get out there and watch the, these young, you know, up and comer high school players for our, you know, our U15, U16 and U18 teams. Um, this year, you know, with, with, you know, with COVID, um, everything, you know, we didn't do our finalize our tryouts until June, um, in scheduling, you know, we, this, we had almost, I think 95%, Matt might've had a little more road trips with the 16 team, but I stayed one night overnight in a hotel this year. Um, and, and that compared to what, to, to, like, I, I mean, I know the answer to this, but to our listeners yeah. compared to what? Yeah. Compared to normally where we have, you know, five, four to five out of town tournaments a season. Right. You know, um, we had, we hosted three major events. Uh, we had teams coming in from all over the country uh, to, you know, to come to our events because we were open and we were running our, you know, tournaments as safe as we possibly could. Um, you know, so it worked out really well. And so, you know, going back to, we, we've always strived to be excellent, right? So, you know, we're looking, we're not an all, like some people, you know, around, you know, town think we're like a high school all-star team. I, I hate that word all-star team. I, we are not, we put a lot of, we're not looking for just all-stars. We're looking for certain role players for all our teams. Um, you might score 50 goals in, for a high school team, but we might not need a goal score, you know, another goal score, or we might need a, a, a you know, a power forward or a grinder, you know, that's going to just work his butt off, you know? So we're always looking at, you know, all different sort of players because at the end of the day, it's about a team. It's not about one individual. Um, and I think that's what makes our program a little different where, yeah, you know, most of the kids are going to be the leaders on their high school teams, but they're all different kind of leaders. They're all different kind of players um, that fit a particular role for our teams. Well, I guess if you, I guess if you, if you use the term, you use the term, I don't know why I'm getting that feedback there. If you're using the term all-star, we know that all-star games is one game, whether you're in the pros, whether you're juniors, it's a weekend, right. It's not 28 games in the pre side of it. So I can understand why that would frustrate you. Yeah. But, but you could also see where people would think that as well. Correct. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. and we do, we do have, you know, if you look at our, our rosters on our, on our teams, you know, you know, we, we're, we're pretty deep. Um, you know, we have the best, <laughs> best players in, in, in probably every high school's program. Right. So I'll cheers to that, Patrick. There you go. <laughs> so we, Patrick, we had uh, Chris Lilstrung on last week and he was talking about picking his all decade team for the news Herald coverage area and all that. 
yeah. and how hard it was to pick with so many great players to choose from to put that team together. So you have maybe a similar challenge. You've got many of the top high school players in Northeast Ohio to choose from. Yeah. Uh, that's going to be a difficult process to go through. Uh, I, I mentioned to him, you know, when they picked the Canadian world junior team, they spend the first three days talking about the guys who didn't get picked. Right. That's going to be a difficult uh, tryout and selection process for you. You know, in, in most years, um, it, it, it's challenging, um, but in most years we'll have two U18 teams and two U16 teams. Um, this year with, um, you know, ice problems, not having enough ice and, you know, trying to control more teams and not knowing how the schedule was going to go, we just decided to do one U16, one U18, you know, one U15. Um, so in normal years, what happens is I'll move kids up and down on rosters uh, to, you know, give them a look if it's a, the elite team or premier team is kind of how we call our teams. Um, but it's just kind of moving kids around. Um, you know, I would say in the last five years, especially for the U18 teams, I've started the season with about 24 players on it, and we really get it nailed down to 20 before the state tournament. So kids are always kind of coming in, coming out. Like, shoot, I started started this year with, um, you know, really three goalies. We, you know, had to knock it down to two. We got another goalie in late. Um, shoot, I had kids coming all summer long to our practices for goaltenders. I had every goalie in that was playing high school hockey at one of our practices at one time or another <laughs> um, throughout the summer. So, and we did the same thing with, you know, there's always a player that's like, oh, I really don't want to commit right now. And then all of a sudden it's June 15th and all his buddies are like getting ready to play. And I get that phone call like, uh, hey, coach, do you have an opening? And I say every time, if you can come out and be here and help our team, I'll always find a spot for that player. So uh, let's let's jump to Matt here real quick. Um, and, and it's, you know, it, the U16 side of it, Matt. Um, some would argue that the U16 – is the most important level when it comes to a player's uh, development, right? So uh, Patrick uh, put you as the head coach of the U16 program. Um, and I saw Patrick's head nodding as, yeah, that's probably a fair statement about uh, the yep. development of, of players at that level. Because if you're looking at, at like draft age levels, right, you know, that's six, the 16s, right? So how did you get those players ready for the pre-portion of the season and then leading up to the state tournament? So, I mean, you know, you guys both coaching a long time, you know, you always have your ups and downs. And don't, don't expose my age, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying, you, know, you guys understand the fact that, you know, you do have those downs throughout the year and, you know, it's, it's all about consistency after that. You know, you're always, we can't win every game, you know, but we can always try. Um, but the thing, you know, when Mets asked me two years ago now to take over the 16s, you know, I had worked with them at the U18 level. I had coached a little bit of uh, ACHA D2 college. I'd coached at the squirt peewee. You know, it's kind of all coming together where I've seen different levels of development. And I kind of have a good idea of what I think, a, you know, a 15, 16 year old should be mentally in the game, physically in the game. You know, that's the time too. at, you know, 15, 16, they really got to start taking their off ice training seriously. And even before that, but I mean, that's where when you're coming up in high school, everyone gets bigger everyone gets stronger, everyone gets smarter. So, you know, and it's good to kind of sucks this year. We didn't get to play those Detroit teams and, you know, a lot of that AAA stuff got uh, kind of lost in all the COVID stuff. But when you go see those U16 programs play, you really see what separates the men from the boys. Um, but so at you the say, same time. So you said you've done both sides that you've done the 18s and the 16s. Yeah. Talk to our listeners about what you, what you see is that like, if there, is there one significant difference between, uh, those two age groups? You know, size and speed obviously comes into play, but, you know, other than that, you, you can see at the 16s level, all right, who's the standout? How would he do up at the next level? That's where I kind of look at is, you know, I look at some of our higher skilled 16s and I'm instantly thinking, you know, what would they do in a U18 situation? But yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the biggest thing, size, speed, you know, and just more experience with the game for sure. Yeah, I think, and maybe you guys would agree with me on this. And, and I think the difference, the main difference, maybe a little bit of skill set, maybe a little bit of size, but it has a lot to do with uh, mental maturity and understanding the game. 
right? And and there's, you know, we've all talked about the the switch that just gets turned on, and once it once it gets turned on, it's a totally different game, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of slows down a little bit because you're not mentally thinking about it. Um, and I think the big, you know, obviously doing this a long time, as you said, Matthew, but um, you know that there's that big differences between those age groups is the mental maturity, or maybe not the physical maturity. I'm sure that helps too, and, and it and it does, but the mental maturity of understanding the game. And, um, you know, I've, I've watched both of the 16s and the 18s, and you can really see that. Yeah, absolutely. So how many of the players on the U16 team this year, this was their first experience with Team Ohio? You know, I think only a handful. Most of them uh, – so Mike, Mike Glover was assisting me with the 16s this year, and he had coached kind of the core of our U16 group at the 14 level and then last year at the 15 level. I think we really only had three or four kids who were truly new to Team Ohio on our 16s this year. But, I mean, that just shows this core group, They, you know, like I said, they've been together for the last two years. They know each other. They know each other's game. So uh, – it, you know, you could see it. It, it was very, um, you know, the teamwork, the mentality, they've been doing it for years now. So it was great to have them still together with me. Uh, now year three, most of them being together. Well, it certainly paid off with the uh, title there in Sylvania, the state title. So tell us, uh, how did that, tur- what was the format? How did that tournament work? Who did you play? So, yeah, like I was saying earlier, like we really didn't know too much leading up to it first we heard there was you know seven teams then it was there's six and then it, i think there ended up only being five of us and you know the biggest thing we just wanted to play we, you know we were we were happy as heck to get out there but um you know this columbus caja 67 is a team that we hadn't seen i know i think sylvania had seen them a couple other teams but you know you know what to expect when you're going into to sylvania you know cleveland sylvania cleveland toledo it's always a tough game it doesn't matter anyone's record you know, it, it's, you know, it's like an Eggs Ignatius game. It's always going to be a tough one. But, but um, like I was saying earlier too, you know, every game in that tournament, we found ourselves in a little hole. We were slow, just slow start after slow start. Um, and slowly, you know, we started to wake up. We started to realize, wow, we got speed. If we pick up the physicality, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. That, that's what happened throughout each game. We started skating. We started possessing the puck. We started hitting, crashing the net. You know, it was it was funny how every game was so similar um, in that little route we had, but you know, it, it ended up pretty well for us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But I, I kind of want to jump back before I, I move on. And, and Pat, I'm going to get with you on on how your 18 tournament went and and the season went. But I, I think it's important to know that that. Uh, and Pat, I want you to speak to this if you can. Um, now that you've built that the the youth style of Team Ohio, you know, and and then you have your pre post side of it. I don't want our listeners to get confused that if, if you didn't play for the youth side, you could still play for the, the pre-post team. Oh, absolutely. Like still, like we're just starting to get people that have been in our youth program for the last three years that are going to high school that have played in our Bantam program. Right. So those kids are just coming, but yeah, we like many, you know, kids that choose to when they pick a school and whatever school that is, and they're going to play high school hockey starting in that last week of October, um, anybody will have the opportunity to play for Team Ohio um, and come to our tryouts, come to our spring leagues, come to our spring showcases. Um, guys that are looking for more, you know, more ice time, stuff like that. If they're not playing a spring sport uh, or fall sport or whatever, we just have those opportunities for them. So it's a, we're, we're not blocking. It's not just for Team Ohio youth. Right. Um, the pre-post is completely separate. Um, I still personally run that, um, you know, hands-on with the pre-post side of things. Um, now with the new GM, he's kind of do, does all the full season, the youth teams and stuff like that with Joey. So, yeah. Good. Yeah, but I, I think it's important that that our listeners, people around the Cleveland area uh, right. know that because they're, they're, that opportunity is available for everybody. So, yeah. so you know, going through your season, Pat, um, you know, I, I've been, I looked at your, uh, uh, your schedule, your record. I see there was – uh, only uh, losses to two teams, uh, Sylvania and Gilmore Prep. Um, now, it was a hell of a season. Uh, but, again, I go back to what Matt said. Like, you didn't get a chance to bring A21 in. You yeah. didn't get a chance to go – you know what I mean? So, you didn't get a chance to do a lot that you wanted to do. Um, how did that – how did that schedule this year prepare you for the state tournament? And I, I, I think this is very interesting, 
and our, it's a it's a great listen and hopefully our, our listeners you know kind of get a chuckle out of this but talk to us about the format of that state tournament because that was back and forth and it was <laughs> it was it was crazy so yeah, talk yeah. us through all that stuff um first off the year you know i did the best i could uh putting the schedule and it was great it was yeah. great I, i'm not saying it wasn't great no I just, no and you're right you're yeah. right like it was i'll be I, for everybody that's listening like and even my players and we know like we're not done yet i think the biggest thing is we don't know how good they we are i don't have a clue um i know i can compete with anybody in the country um you know what i mean but we just you know, we didn't have any major adversity, right? Like you go on the road, you get spanked in Detroit in the Comptoir Honey Baked event, or you're up at the Harbor Center playing other, you know, teams. And we didn't have any of those, you know, road trips where it was a different year, like the bonding and, you know, the, the getting to know your team as well as you, I usually do. It was more like we played 28 home games. Um, I did one day trip to, uh, you know, Sylvania, you know, on a Friday. Um, you know, no, you know, our only overnighter was before the kids even started school in, in, in Pittsburgh when I talked to Scott on the way home from that trip. Um, you know, so, you know, the scheduling was tough because, you know, just because we can play didn't mean another team could play. Right. And it got very challenging. Like New York has been shut down since, you know, that we started our season. You know I mean? They could, they would be scheduled to come in and then they would have to cancel. Um, so we got through that and, Again, I just think we don't know how good we are. I like, I laughed about it. I'm like, you know, they've they were challenged. The Gilmore Prep game, the first one, even the second one, um, we came out flat in that second one. But they're right there. Um, you know, I mean, you lose an overtime in that game. The first one, you know, you know, you're right there. You missed a couple bounces, you know, go our way. It's maybe it's a different outcome. The first game that we lost to Sylvania, we were up um, two nothing going in the third period, right? You know, so. And, you know, threw away a two-goal lead. And, you know, so we knew going into the Sylvania and the state tournament, it's always going to be at that 18 level. It's usually Sylvania and Team Ohio. It's been like that for the last eight years um, that I've been coaching it. And, and sometimes there's a Team Toledo that they switch off to. But for the most part, it's Sylvania. And we had two weeks to prepare for one game. And as you know, um, as a coach, I love to give me two weeks. And I feel like I'm pretty confident that we can put a good game plan together um, to play this one game. We, as a pre-post organization, we take it very seriously. They're not, not every Sylvania, no, nothing against Sylvania or other organizations around our area, but no one came close to playing, you know, 30 hockey games. No one, you know, like has, you know, a lot of what, what we put into our program, right. You know, it's a little different. Um, some people might think it's kind of crazy how much, you know, stuff we put into it, but we care. So when you're focusing for one game, there's a lot of stress on that game, right? You put all this effort in all these weekends, playing games, practicing, you know, these guys are practicing, like, especially for the 18s. I started having those guys like practice three days a week leading up to the, the event. And usually we only, you know, we're on the ice once or twice a week. And, you know, we were doing shoot arounds and stuff like that, but we knew, we played Sylvania, what, I think three times before we played them in the final. And when I looked at their roster, they only had about eight returners from last year. Um, they, 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 they lost a lot of guys. Um, some of their, you know, power forwards and some really good goal scorers. But, you know, we kind of knew they had, their, they had one tough line. But you throw that out the window because in that one game, you never know what the heck's going to happen. And this game was a wild, wild ride. You know, we go down, we get lucky enough that mid-am because of with COVID, um, Sylvania had an issue. So we were supposed to be in Sylvania for the weekend. As it turned out, we actually got to host um, the games at our place. So I thought that was a huge advantage. Get the play, stay in our own locker room, um, you know, being able to be in our home, our fans, you know, and we had a good, good, good crowd there. Um, social distancing and everything, of course, but um, he, uh, you know, uh, it was a great night and, you know, we go in that game and we're over, we're super, we're confident. I'm confident. I don't, I feel like we're, we're a better hockey team this year um, than them. I felt like we'd bring it. Um, we get out in that game and I, all of a sudden we're down to nothing uh, right out of the, right off the rip. 
um, you know, I, I'm a pretty vocal guy and I'm, I'm get on some guys and what the heck's going on. The world's coming in an end, you know, <laughs> like this, you know, you're like, I'm just shell shocked. Um, and then we just, and I, had to turn, I had to turn my volume down on a live barn when I was watching. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so I lose it a little bit, you know, in that first period, but we come back and you know, the one key in that game is like, again, the, the emotions are so high and my guys, not, none of them have really played besides, um, Schultz fouls. Um, those two guys, those are the only guys that have played in like big, big game, hockey game. You know what I mean? Like for like for a road to go to the nationals and stuff like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this question. So I lo- I'm looking at your, uh, your roster here Yeah. from the team that won nationals. Those are the only two returning players. Or- yeah, Schultz, yeah. Noah Schultz and Tyler Faust. Okay. And no, as- I mean, you, you've got two guys, uh, Glauner and Wilson that played in numerous state championship games. Yes, so, correct. so they've, they've been to that. Correct. Right. They've played in some big games, but in these one, it was just, it's a little, I tell the kids all the time. I'm like, it's a little different. You know what I mean? It's just, there's something about it. You know what I mean? I don't get, you know, the ice cut after every period, you have to make adjustments on the fly. You get one ice cut after the second, you know what I mean? Things happen at a rat that, you know, the game's flying. Like the first seven minutes are always just, you don't know what's happening. Right. And then finally in that game, I'm about halfway because we were, I thought we were pretty much dominating. We, they just got, we made some mistakes and they capitalized. But at the end of the day, they finally just relaxed and they stopped panicking and stopped running around the ice and like, Oh, take a couple deep breaths here. You know what I mean? And you know, I, 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 remember, I remember talking to Noah and I'm like, Noah, calm down. Right. It's a long game. You know what I mean? It's seven minutes into this game. We're all over these guys. We're going to break this goal because their goalie played phenomenal for the first couple periods. Yeah, he, did, uh, he did. He did. He did. He was, he was good. He, he, uh, he was really good, good player from St. John's. And, um, but anyways, they, they calm down. Um, we dominate the second period. Uh, we're, we're, you know, tied two two. they, they can't get the puck out of the zone for about eight minutes in the second period. I made like three shift changes or so. Um, before they could even make it, we get a bad call, bad penalty on some hitting the puck after the whistle. No need for that call to be made. Unfortunately, um, they score on the power play. All of a sudden we we're dominating the whole game. And again, you know, the game changed again. They were started taking it to us for the rest of the second period. So we go into the third, we're down three, two. Um, and what was good about this team this year is every time we got in the locker room, and we were down or not playing our best. Um, they responded extremely well. Um, they knew what they needed to do. They got their break and they were like, okay, we have 17 minutes. Nationals bid on the line, you know, with no nationals last year with COVID, you know, technically we're still defending. So that's good. You know, so these guys knew this and um, they came out and probably played their best period. Um, of the year of the of the other pre portion of their season uh came out scored right away um uh, we had an amazing i don't know if in the third period like late in the third period about six minutes left sylvania gets in our power play we're only up four to three at the time and uh dominic lugo um is on the pk for me and makes an unbelievable block and the minute that block and i i just i always watch shot blocks and if you get a good shot block, it's just the momentum is just in the, the, the energy on the bench. I bench, erupt, had, bench erupted like you scored a goal. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that was it, like a winner. Right yeah, there. It, should be, it should be celebrated almost as much oh. as a goal. We know, I mean, we know that. Yeah, and it was awesome. So we did that, and he did that, and they couldn't score on that power play. And we ended up getting, I think, we, we, Noah Schultz comes down. I think he got his third of the game um, at that point. He comes down, has a nice little snapshot. Uh, we go up five three, and we get to, they 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 pulled their goalie for the last couple minutes. We score two more. So going down, being down three two, going into the third period, winning seven three. We were pretty excited about that. Good, good. Yeah, it was fun to watch. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. It was, you know, when you guys went down two nothing, and I, I watched it at my house and in. in uh, on live barn and, and when you guys went down to nothing, I was like, 
you know, they're skating well, you know, and you're, you're right. Just a couple bad bounces. And, yeah. um, but you know what? And I, I've said this a hundred times to uh, a lot of teams, if not all the high school teams that I've coached and, and in high school is, is a weird age to, to coach, right? It's, yeah. um, there's so many distractions, right? And, 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 and I, I mean, listen, we were all there, right? We understand the distractions, right? So if, if I'd be a total hypocrite, if I said, I don't understand why they're, why they're distracted, why they have this, why they have that, right? We, we were all there. Yeah. Um, but it's funny. Cause I, 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 I tell uh, the parents usually at the end of the year um, every year that I've asked my, I've asked my players to bring something to the rink every day. I don't care what it like, not tangible, like just mentally bring something to the rink every day that you have, you know, this, this will to go out and, and play and, and just, just make that consistent. Right. Yeah. And, Pat, what you, your dog didn't like my comment or what? What the hell is going on here? <laughs> a little upset. Getting chirped. <laughs> I'm getting chirped by yeah. your dog. <laughs> and, and and so I always say um, the students or students, but but the the high school athletes bring inconsistency every day to the rink, but at least they bring that consistently, right? Um, so it, it's it, it, but it, it was you know I don't know if I'd ever want to coach in a different age level than than where I'm at because. I'm in the high school level as well. So, uh, but it was fun to watch. It was in, like you said, Pat, it was fun to watch when they calm down. Yeah. Right. Once, once high school, high level high school athletes understand that they have to get in that comfortable, calm groove. Then they, then, then their talents really show. Right. Yep. No, I agree hundred percent. And I also agree coaching this level versus a peewee team is a lot different. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I agree. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned how you you put together a team. It's not necessarily an all-star team. Uh, so maybe uh, Lugo, is he one of those examples of a kid who was in more of a, you know, bottom six or third line energy role uh, that goes out and knows that that's his job to throw his face in front of the slap shot on the penalty. I never really knew Dom Lugo at all. Um, he came to our tryouts, um, not knowing very little. Um, Coach Jason Dickey was helping out with holding uh, his high school team last year, and he's like, "Hey, take a look at him." Um, and and I saw him in June. I was like, "I I I don't see anything here." Um, he's going to have a tough time um, to, you know, be a contributor when we have 24 guys. I, he would, if in June, when he, when we saw him, I, he was probably one of the guys out. Um, and then I got to him and I saw him like every week, every month, the kid just works. He, he, he might not score a ton or, but he does the little things and we all need players that can do the little things. And the kid just worked. He's five foot five. I don't know, maybe five foot eight, but he's small. All right. And he weighs 110 pounds. Um, and he's not afraid of anything. And he killed penalties. He blocked shots, took the body, got thrown around all over the place. But like a guy is a worker. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, I was, was going to say there was another sequence earlier in the game where he kind of extended possession in the corner and he wasn't doing it by just holding people off. He was doing, you know, cutbacks and controlling the puck. And yeah. so I was really player. proud of him. He, uh, he really stepped up. Um, and you know, and it, it's like, he was new to our program. So it takes a while getting used to me, how I run things, getting used to the way the team is run. Um, it does take a little time. You just don't come right in and be like, okay, I got it. We're good. But he adapted and, uh, he was, he was great to coach, great kid. Um, you know, so it really worked with him. You know what I love about, about him is, is, you know, his, I, we talked about blocking shots, you know, and, and sometimes when kids block shots, you know, they, it, it's like, it's like a, uh, you know, their gloves come off. It's like, it's like a yard house. I mean, yard sale, you know, so, you know, whatever, but he, he just, he's very tight in it and he's very good with that. So, yeah, you know what he reminds me of? I had a player and, and I, you had a player uh, as well. He reminds me a lot of Tyler Elbitz. Sure. He really did a lot. I mean, LB, LB used to go out there and, like LB understood that we're talking about a kid who understood his role, right? Yes. Like yeah. LB used to go out and play and he used to know after 45 minutes, I may not be able to feel my left ankle or my right shin <laughs> or my, my, my midsection because I'm going to block four shots tonight. Yes. Right. Yeah. 
Like, he loved when we went out with when he loved PK more than anybody yeah. I've ever met. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So both of both teams have qualified for the national tournament again as we talked at the top of the interview. Congratulations to you both. Where and when is it for both teams? So uh, U16 level, it's at Grand Rapids, and I believe it's March like 25th through the 28th or 9th. Um, you know, Grand Rapids has that great facility out there with two sheets. And is that um, where Fox Motors plays? I believe so. Pat probably knows for yeah. sure, but okay, that's you know, it's a place. The last couple of years, we've gone to a, a big, nice tier two showcase there. Um, unfortunately, you know, we didn't make that trip this year, which you know that was. That's always great exposure because most of those teams you see at that tournament are you're going to see them if you make the natty. So, um, yeah, we're going to Grand Rapids. We're in uh, U18s will be in Green Bay the same week. Um, so we're in Green Bay. And actually, I got we uh, hopefully uh, it's going to be nice and warm there, buddy. Yeah, yeah a little different than uh, <laughs> San Jose. San Jose, a little different. <laughs> but um, the um, no, we got. Shoot, we're we're planning and everything. I, I talked to Mid Am officials. They called um, last week and kind of congratulated us. And they they said, I, I asked them because I'm like I'm a, a guy that likes to plan these trips out for these kids, and we do a lot for these kids once they qualify for nationals. You know, there's a lot that goes into it with logistics and buses and all that kind of stuff. So they uh, Mid Am told me like Pat, plan for it, start getting ready because i can tell you we, we've had meetings about this and usa hockey plans to be having a national tournament this year yeah so that was gonna be my next question to you pat was like you know how do you plan for something of that magnitude and i i will tell the listeners that i had a few players that i coached on my high school team that played on the team that won the national championship and you know i kind of followed them through um social media and other stuff when you guys were on that trip so i know you do it right for the for the the boys and and logistically, it's got to be very difficult. So how do you plan for something like that? Now, two teams, yeah. right? The 16s and the 18s, when there is still kind of an unknown, right? Yeah, uh, and it is. So you still book everything. You know what I mean? You reserve everything. You, you know, you reserve your ice. You get your practice. You start scheduling games for mid-March, um, you know, to get a couple tune-up games in. So it's just kind of like business as normal. Until it's not, you know, I mean, we, we got to just keep plugging and, and expecting that everything's going to work out. Um, and I truly believe that's going to be the case. Um, but again, we, you know, for, uh, I just got, I, I, I'm already ordering gear and starting to like track suits and, you know, they already have the backpacks and, you know, I try to get them as much as all the bells and whistles I possibly can. You guys know I love the bells and whistles, so. Well, we do know it's all about the bells, whistles, and financials, so you know that, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know it was going to come out, Pat. Come on. <laughs> uh, level like that one. Absolutely. No, but but in all honesty to our, our uh, listeners, I, I, I'm, I'm really, I was really impressed. <clears throat> and, and, I, and, again, I, that trip to San Jose that you, that you guys took, that was kind of the only one that was, I don't want to say public or you know, social media visible, but you did a hell of a job with those kids. And I know they appreciated it. And obviously they went out and played hard. So, yeah. you know, that's do the same thing this year. So uh, we'll, we'll still do that video and we'll still try to do everything the same way. Um, I truly believe that both teams are going to have not, we're the one thing about this is we're not just excited. To, it's, it's like, it's like high school. Like are you excited to go to the final four? No, you're excited to go win the state right. championship. And there's no difference for us. We go to nationals. You know, we know what it takes. It's got to get a lot of lucky bounces, and it's a tough event. But we, we go there to win, uh, not to, uh, you know, play our three games and say we went to Nationals and get a shirt. Right. And speaking of the financials, we would be remiss if we didn't uh, note that uh, Team Ohio has come on board as a sponsor for the uh, podcast. So we want to thank you for that. Got it, man. I, I, I'm finally out. getting paid. Who would who would ever know us from Team Ohio? Thank God. <laughs> uh, anything we can do to help? I, I'll tell you. I, I do listen to all the podcasts. Um, I think they're excellent. Um, I've really enjoyed them. I, I I was sitting back. I was um, about a couple weeks ago. I was somewhere, and I, I I listened to like three or four of them. You know, have it. You know, just kind of hanging out, and and they're just they're good stuff. So you guys are doing a great job. 
Well, it, it, and again, Lev and I have said this a hundred times, you know, Scott has afforded us this awesome opportunity to be able to talk to many people and, and uh, like both you guys here. And, and uh, you know, for us, this has become more of a conversation uh, with friends that we've known for a while. And then uh, some guys that we just met for the first time through a Zoom meeting. Right. Yeah. And um, so it's been great. Uh, uh, we appreciate um, you guys coming back on, talking to us uh, again. Congratulations on an unbelievable pre part of the, the year through a pandemic, which, you know, how difficult has that been? You know, and, and I do want to tell our listeners, I was at a few of your uh, Team Ohio tournaments, Patrick, and, and uh, the way that you have them running uh, to make sure that everyone stays safe uh, was very impressive. So thank you for making sure all of our athletes and parents and spectators uh, stayed safe. So thank you for that. That was been done pretty well. I can't, I don't know because I haven't really been to any other rinks. Uh, I'll be, I'll go to Tam O'Shanter this weekend. Yeah. It'll be the first time I'm, I've gone to an opposing rink since we got back on the ice. So, you know, um, so, uh, so thank you for doing that. And uh, Matt, congratulations on a great year. Congratulations on doing what you're doing. Like we talked about that 16 year, very important year. And, and obviously, you know, you, you took a 16 team, and you took them to a state championship and now to the national tournament, you and your staff are doing something right. So congratulations there. Yeah. Appreciate it coach. All right, gentlemen. Thanks. Thanks again. Um, we're probably going to have you back on before the national tournament. I've, I think management would want that as well. Right. Management. Absolutely. <laughs> right. We don't refer to him. Happy. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. We don't right. refer to him yeah. as Scott anymore. We just refer to him as management. So, um, so look forward to talking to you guys. Uh, after the high school season and before uh, you guys embark on a national tournament, I'm glad to hear Pat, what you said about mid-am because I was, you know, I, that was going to be a question I was going to ask you tonight was how sure were they? It sounds like they're pretty damn sure. So that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. This, oh. uh, the one, the, the only thing is that you might have to be a little flexible, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, well, I, I, I think, I think we've all learned flexibility <laughs> since March. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, so, um, well guys, thanks again. Appreciate it. Uh, we look forward to talking to you soon. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by Team Ohio. Time in the rink as a Team Ohio player is about more than competition. It's about seizing opportunities to grow as athletes. Well, Scott, that was a great uh, uh, time catching up with uh, head coach Pat Metzger and and Matt Guybe of the U16 team uh, from Team Ohio. Um, You know, both guys did an excellent job uh, of navigating themselves through a difficult season uh, when it comes to cancellations, when it comes to protocols, all that stuff, and then just kind of put it aside. And when you get inside the glass, prepare your kids the right way, make sure that they're, uh, um, you know, stay, you know, mentally stable as well when it comes to, you know, we got to wear masks, we got to do this, something that they're not used to, and then make sure, making sure that they're just focused right into the game. Yeah. At the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, it comes down to that one game that you've got to win to, to get the state championship and move on to nationals. And they both were able to, to get it done. That U18 game, I had the uh, pleasure of being there at Winterhurst for that one. And that, that was a wild game. That was very entertaining, high level, high level of hockey. And uh, the team, like, like you said, absolutely. They were deep. They were uh, four lines deep, three yeah, pairs. Yeah. And, and uh, they could all go and make, make things happen out there. And it was a great exhibition of, of, high school hockey or, or U18 hockey at that level. Yeah. And there was, there was a lot of players on that team that, that, you know, in, in our conversation, you know, we're not uh, brought up by name, but, but it, it, like you said, Scott, there's that team was deep. That team is deep. Yeah. I shouldn't say was, cause they still have a postseason to go. They are deep. And, um, and again, on the 16 side of it, uh, uh, coach guy talked about, you know, getting his guys to a, to a spot to where, you know, I don't know if they if they thought they could have gone in there and won in Sylvania. And uh, it didn't shock me because I know a lot of the kids on the team. Uh, I'm fortunate to coach a handful of those kids on my high school team. But and I know what kind of competitors they are. Uh, but to have a, a, a an adult leadership, uh, a coaching leadership uh, to put them in the right uh, mental frame uh, through all of this is, is pretty special. And as a high school coach, you've got to appreciate the fact that they're showing up for the beginning of your season. Some of your players coming off this experience and playing, is it 28 games they played or something like that? Yeah, you know what, this is, I, and again, I, we probably should have asked Patrick this. I, I think that's a little low. I mean, I shouldn't say low in, in, in a pandemic, but I think they're usually coming in 
with almost 40 games. I, I don't know off the top of my head, but yeah, you know, no, you're right. I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're coming in pretty well seasoned. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like um, we talked about the NHL sending guys over to Europe. So they're coming to training camp, hitting the ground running. Mm-hmm. So similar situation for some of your top players <clears throat> to be able to uh, come in having played 30 games or so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, it's great catching up with those guys. And, and again, uh, I'm sure we'll catch up with them before they head out uh, to the national tournament. Um, I think that's something that we're going to have to definitely do. Uh, a lot of local kids, if not all local kids uh, here in Ohio, especially uh, the Cleveland area, that are going to go uh, compete for a national championship. So uh, maybe love to get out there, talk to some of the guys uh, before they go, if we can do that. Yeah, sure. Awesome. Well, episode 29 of On Air is in the books. Thank you to our guests from Team Ohio, Patrick Metzger and Matt Guybe. You can find the On Air podcast at www ohiohockeydigest.com with full episodes and archives as well as a list of future guests you can also subscribe to On Air on Spotify and Apple Podcasts continuing to grow the game as best as we can this is On Air Ohio Hockey Digest Podcast